Welcome to Mark My Words, a podcast that not only aims to inspire and teach the listener about entrepreneurship, it also aims to give my guests an opportunity to talk about their unique journey in entrepreneurship and life. So join me and my guests as we meet at the crossroads on Mark My Words. Welcome to a new episode of Mark My Words. Today, I have an awesome episode lined up, awesome guests. I was just a guest on their podcast a little while back, and that podcast, as a matter of fact, is the Vertical Momentum Podcast, and I had a great time there. Now, Richard Kaufman is going to return the favor. He is the CEO of the Vertical Momentum Media Group. And I'm stumbling over all that. That's some kind of a mouthful there with all the M's. And I've been up for a while on this particular day. So that probably has something to do with it. But nonetheless, we have Richard here to keep me in line. And I should also thank him for his service. He is a veteran. And a lot of what he does and what he's about revolves around veterans. And I couldn't be more happy and more honored to have Richard on my show today. Welcome to Mark My Words. How you doing? What's up, brother? What's going on? Uh, by the way, your episode is one of our most listened to episodes. So guys, if you, if you want to listen to an amazing episode, definitely check out Mark's episode. Wow, that is really impressive. I don't really know what to say about that. That's awesome. Hey, you know, yeah, you know, because you, you have a lot of interesting things to say, and you say it in a lot of interesting ways. So, Well, it's going to get a little more interesting today. I'm on one of my, like, what I call a reset day, where I was, like, super awake last night. I only slept for, like, four hours, and... I've been doing like my work from home job. So I, I'm already kind of having an interesting time stumbling over your introduction, which hopefully was uh, smoother than I think it is in my head. But uh, no, you, you did perfectly. Um, and uh, it's really not that my story is really not that interesting. So some people think it is. Uh, my wife doesn't think so. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, and we'll go into whatever you want to talk about today. Well, if it makes you feel any better, my wife doesn't ask me a whole lot of questions about my podcasting and stuff like that. So, you know, if you feel like weird or awkward that your wife doesn't think your story is that interesting, I mean, sometimes I'm like, does she think that my story's not interesting? So, I, I think it's just all a part of being married, I suppose. I uh, think she's trying to keep me grounded because, you know, no matter, I could I could be a, a public speaker around the world. I can have number one books, number one podcasts, but I still got to take the garbage out. 
and still got to pick up the dog poop. So it kind of keeps you humble. Interesting you mentioned that. Those are two things I just did on this very long day for me. So that's, I guess uh, we have a lot more in common than maybe we thought before we hit record. So So let's, let's get away from taking out the trash and picking up the dog poop and (laughs) transition into your story. And you, you have done so much and you've had such a variety of jobs and, you know, pivots and crossroads. And I'm just going to kind of go all the way back to younger days. It, it could be like five, six-year-old Richard. That could be 16, 17-year-old Richard. But where at that point did you see yourself being like today? Did you know what you wanted to do? You're shaking your head no? Not at all. Um, Well, you know, for a quick, you know, backstory, um, dad left when I was like three months old. Mom was in active addiction. Um, She was also a nurse, so she was never home. And I went from babysitter to babysitter. So at five or six, um, you know, when she did get with her, her future husband, which now was my stepdad, which just passed valentine's day um they would argue all the time and i would actually lock myself in my closet and cry and um so you know i grew up in in, in an abused household and when i hit the age you know like my first drink of alcohol was at 12 and i was a full-blown alcoholic by the age of 13 Um, i never planned to live past the age of 25 so, um, like, this is all gravy. You know, this is everything that I'm living now. This is all just a topping on the cake, you know, because, you know, I listen. I was a big heavy metal guy. You know, I was a big rock and roll guy. So I always figured, you know, um, die young and, and, and leave, leave a good looking corpse. So I never I never planned on making it to the age of 25. So, no, this is was nothing was in the plans. So, first of all. I'm sorry to hear some of those things. I think I kind of knew a little bit, but I don't think I knew that much. So how do you feel some of those experiences and those uh, ups and downs, those challenges? How do you think that all of that prepared you for your adult life or did it not? <laughs> well, I mean, now, you know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty. Um like my my mentor, Mr. Ed Milet, talks about, you know, that um, nothing happens to you. Everything happens for you and everything is a teachable moment. So if I would have to go back and change anything in my life, I would change none of it. Um, and, and one thing I want the, you know, the listeners to realize that once you own all of your mistakes and you don't blame anybody for anything that happen in your life is when you actually become free. So I think it just made me, everything that I went through just made me the man that I am today. So I wouldn't change a thing. And, you know, I can agree with that sentiment because obviously I have a few regrets along the way, but I think as far as all those things that 
having the childhood kind of things, going to school and having a hard time with students and even with teachers and just having a hard time fitting in. I don't really regret any of it. I love how it shaped me into the independent person and the resourceful person, among other things, that I turned into today. So I love the fact that you're looking at it as not only taking accountability, but just saying, you know, just being real about it, saying, look, this is my life. This is how I was shaped. And I learned from it. And I'm just trying to be better every day that goes by. And I, I can really relate to that a lot. Yep. And if anybody picks up my book, um, they, they can tell that um, I put all the dirty stuff that I ever did out in a book because I was told to by Mr. Gary Vaynerchuk. But, you know, once I put all my dirty laundry out there, um, that's when people can start relating to me because they know, well, you know, he doesn't blame anybody. You know, I can't blame anybody, you know, for the mistakes that I that I've made. I can't blame anybody for, you know, going through, you know, being on my third marriage. I can't blame anybody for picking up that drug or picking up that, that alcohol or being homeless. I can't blame it on anybody. And I think once people realize that you're real and, you know, you're not that uh, Instagram guy that's just showing up, you know, pictures in front of Lambos and mansions and living with mama, <laughs> you know, once they let realize that you're real and that you, you have the same struggles they have, people can relate to you. And I totally agree with that. I, as social media and the internet has evolved, you, we've seen, as you pointed out, a lot of people sugarcoating and making their life look a lot better, a lot more glamorous, et cetera, et cetera. I've always chosen to just stay true to myself. It's like, look, you know, I'm from Reading, PA. I was born cleft lip and palate. And I have, you know, I can count on one hand how many real close friends I have. This is the kind of life I've had. I'm not here after all these years. I'm not going to all of a sudden be here to, you know, be photoshopping myself on a beach sipping margaritas. Although that has happened in real life once or twice. And I've been very happy to post that. But I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. And I know I had a guest recently who commended me for how forthcoming and just real that I guess I can be. I'm not going to say I am. I certainly try, but uh, I'll let other people decide that. But uh, that's just, I, I don't know any other way. And I think you're kind of from the same uh, school of thought. You just don't know any other way. Yeah, I mean, you know, and if people that do follow me, you know, they know that I'll put if, if I'm not feeling myself, I'll put a post out be like, guys, I'm not feeling it today. I'm not feeling right today. Or like I put a post out today where I thought um, I had a detective call me today and I thought I was going to get arrested. But he wants me to help him raise money for the kids on drugs and are 
in our school systems. So it's kind of like, you know, people know when they, when they talk to me, they're like, all right, this guy is as real as it gets. He's not going to BS me because he, he doesn't really care what people think. But I, like Gary says, you know, I, I don't care what people think, but in, I do care what people think, you know? Yeah, I can totally relate to that as well. I mean, obviously I do care what people think and just with having this podcast, there's a lot of reasons that I do it and I'm sure you have your reasons for doing it and it makes me feel good. I love meeting people like you and it's really fulfilling in that way, but I do hope people like it. I've not just doing it all for those, uh, I guess, more selfish reasons. It's like, I do care what people think, but I don't necessarily live a life where I'm thinking about what people think or will think. I just, I am who I am. Not kind of like Popeye, but I, I live my life. Yeah. So... With all that being said, all that realness, I want to get into you and when you decided to take the step of uh, serving for our country, because that is a huge commitment, and I, I really want to hear that story. Well, I really don't have any sexy stories to tell. It was um, I dropped I dropped out of high school at sixteen. I actually uh, hit the teacher and my hit my teacher in the head with a desk. So they kind of suspended me. So it was uh, either join the military or go to jail. <laughs> I mean, not literally, but it was like, those were like my choices in life. And unfortunately I did both while I was in the military. Um, so for me, it wasn't, you know, that I love America you know, trumpets playing um, until after 9-11. That's when everything changed for me. But, there, you know, there, I had an uncle that was in the Korean War, so he was a motivating factor. But I don't have any, you know, I'm not going to say I wanted to go because of the GI Bill. I, mean, I, I wanted to go because of this. I wanted to go party and get paid for it. But that, that was pretty much my reasoning of going in at the age of 17. I've always wondered what it's like to be in a situation because I wound up after high school, I just went to college and I, I had my ups and downs with that. But I did what a lot of people do. They go to high school, they, go, they graduate, they go to college. I've always kind of wondered about what it's like to just be in that situation where it's like, look, either you're going to wind out on the street or, as you mentioned, wind up maybe in jail or, you know, you're kind of like on that line and you make that choice to go serve our country. And, I mean, what I maybe I'm looking as you might put it, a more sexy answer than what I'm probably going to get. But I've always kind of wondered what what that's like, like. How does that feel? Well, I mean, like I went in, you know, and I'm 17 years old. Now, now you got to show up. When I showed up to boot camp, my hair was down, almost down to my waist. I have blonde hair, big blonde hair, uh, earrings. So when I got there, 
they were like, oh my God. I mean, they were lining up to who was going to cut my hair. <laughs> they fought over it. Uh, but then when I got there, you know, I'm 17 years old. I'm like 146 pounds. And, you know, I got a smart mouth. You know, I'm a, I'm a street kid from Jersey. So um, I had a rough time. I had a, a real rough time um, because of my attitude. And uh, I got straightened out a lot. Uh, and I actually, and I tell it in my book, I actually um, got cured of racism back in 1986 because of my mouth. So it, I had a lot, I got locked up a couple times for public intoxication, uh, drunkenness, uh, all kinds of stu stupid stuff I got locked up for until they eventually, after two and a half years, they, they threw me out. But, you know, for me, you know, I was living like a rock star. I mean, I, you know, when I wasn't in trouble, I, you know, had my military job and then, you know, I'd get out at five and I'd be in the clubs by six o'clock and I'd be in the clubs all night long get about two hours sleep and, and I would do it all over again. And I would take, a, I took a lot of acid and I was a big, I became a drug addict in the military. Um, so, you know, it, it was one big party for two and a half years. I mean, I actually went to Oktoberfest in October in Germany at wow. 17 years old. So, awesome. yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've had, I had a lot of great experiences um, to where like I can tell my, you know, somebody who says, well, you know, because I came home from basic training and, you know, from the military sometimes, and my friends were doing the same things. You know, they were going to college, they were getting married, getting engaged. And here I am, you know, able to travel to Germany, you know, travel, go through Auschwitz and be able to, to experience the world a little bit. So if anybody's out there, if you're ever looking to, you know, expand your horizons, I would definitely say join the military. Well, I have always kind of wished that I, I don't have a whole lot of regrets. And again, as we talked about earlier, I don't really regret like my path and what, how it shaped me. But one thing I do wish is that I wish that I was a little more like free spirited. I was always like very good and didn't really get too wild. Like, a lot of the things that you mentioned there, like, oh, I, I never would have, uh, I would have said, boy, that would, would be great, but I, I was always too boring and too good. Did you ever look back or even in the moment kind of like wish or have a desire, like, man, I, I wish I could just be like maybe a little more good or are you like, no, I, I'm glad I partied hard and I learned from it. No, I mean, you know, now, you know, like I said, as you get older, you know, I, I wish I would have continued with school, you know, because I'm a ninth grade dropout, um, you know, but I've read over 6,000 books in my time. Um, but, you know, I wish I can, there's certain things I can't do. And, you know, I'm very open and honest, like some of my, my fifth graders, fourth graders homework, I can't help her with. Because I missed a lot of time in school, you know, I did, I didn't take, you know, I only finished as a ninth grader. So a, a lot of stuff, um, I wish I, you know, like I, I write for a living, you know, we are podcasting, we got to do liner notes. And sometimes I'm like, I got to talk to my, my, my 10 year old be like, all right, what is a semi semicolon for? You know, when do I use this? When do I use that? So sometimes I regret, you know, not finishing school, 
I mean, I did get my GED, but sometimes I think, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are um, book educated, but have no street smarts. And unfortunately, you know, I had to learn, you know, I was homeless for a year, year and a half living in my car. So I had to learn how to be street smart. And I think if it took for me, if I rather in life had to be either street smart or book smart, I think I would take street smart all the time. I totally agree with you. And that's coming from somebody who has a bachelor's degree. And by the way, having a bachelor's degree, there are things that I probably should quote unquote know that I I still don't know or don't remember. So don't necessarily feel bad. I know with I tell the story a lot on this show about my math ability. I probably have, and I'm probably being nice when I say I have about an eighth grade math ability. Like I was absolutely horrible in math. I probably lost like three years due to just the teacher circumstances. I had one who was starting to go senile, another who was just going through a lot of stuff. They wound up dying like a few years later. So, and another teacher who Lord knows what was going on there. So I lost like three good years, like third, fourth, fifth grade. And I think I was already not the most mathematical. So, you know, and sometimes having a degree doesn't tell the story. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you have like, you know, whatever 12th grade or college level ability and everything. I, I sure as hell don't. <laughs> and well, uh, I post last week. Um, it was about when I was in, I, I think like I was either five or six years old. I had a teacher, Mr. Ferreira. Hey, Mr. Ferreira, screw you if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but uh, he would actually, because I had a severe case of ADHD and he would actually come and smack me behind my head and whisper in my ear, you know, you're a loser. You're never going to make it. And when I put my post out the other day, um, somebody, I think, actually tagged him. because, and I, and I said in it, you know, you know, you said I would never make it. But, you know, here I am. I did 23 years in the military. Two-time number one best-selling author. Number one podcast. So, you know, don't ever let any, don't let anybody that hasn't done something tell you that you can't do something. And you know, I remember that post, you made a post and I loved it to death because I can totally relate to, I, I can't say I had that experience of, you know, somebody calling me a loser and hitting me over the head, but I certainly felt like there were a few teachers who felt that way about me and I know I don't really talk about it publicly very much, but I was born with an imperforate anus, which is probably not a thing that's a conversation starter in any like gathering, I suppose, and may not even be a conversation piece for this podcast. But I really struggled growing up with that like it's very hard to 
get something like that under control. And you have parents who have never heard of it, never had that experience, and they don't know. They don't know how to really help. And I had one teacher in particular who just would put me in the hallway and not even give me a chance to go do what I needed to do because you know how it is in school. They only give you so many opportunities to go to the bathroom and whatnot. This teacher, and I did actually have special permissions. I think my parents and I, we had to talk to the school and get special permission. And this is like, I've never talked about any of this, like, ever, by the way. Um, I had a teacher who was, like, very well-known basketball coach in the school district I was in. And, again, I had, even knowing that I had that privilege, which just put me in the hallway, like I was disrupting the class or was bad or whatever. And that's always, even to this day, that was, like, 30 years ago or so, still rubs me the wrong way, just like, you know, why would you do that? Why not just, you know, try to understand and try to work something out? But and, I think it teaches us, you know, to have empathy for others. You know, like somebody once asked me, you know, if you if you could be a superhero for Halloween, who would you be? And I said, I'd be empathy man. I said, because I, 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 I don't have sympathy on people. I have empathy for people. And, if, you know, it teaches us stuff like we've been through. It teaches you how to empathize with others and actually care about other people. And it's interesting when you said empathy, man, and what superhero would you be? I would probably be like, listen, man, because I have a life where I've always kind of felt not really heard. And for some reason, that has even carried over into my adult life, which I don't know if it has something to do with me or if it has something to do with some other folks, but I've just always felt not heard. And maybe that was one of like the deep-seated uh, motivations for me to do this podcast for all I know. But yeah, I, I have always felt that way. And I guess listening and empathy can kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. But I have always prided myself in listening to people and trying to understand just because I have had a life where I haven't felt like I've gotten that. So I guess that's been kind of my way of like repairing the baggage that I have on that. And if people out there, if you're listening, there's a difference between hearing and active listening. Right. There's a big, and that's something I had to learn. Um, Cause one day me and my wife were sitting at eating dinner and she just broke down and cried. And I'm like, what's the matter, honey? She said, you know what? You're trying to help all these people in the world, but you don't even care about the people that are at your kitchen table. And it really got to me. Um, and that's when I started to you know, study on hearing and active listening to where if my wife says something to me, I don't care what I'm doing. I'm putting the book down. I'm, I'm going to look straight in her eyes and listen, actually, actually listen to what she has to say. 
because a lot of people I think and nowadays you know everybody's got their phone in you know and they're they they're not it's like when we were growing up grandpa used to have the newspaper well now for us it's the phones and I think a lot of us you know we kind of forget that you know we have the people in our own household so I think you know if something anybody takes something out of this that maybe you should try to learn to be try to listen you know more than you hear and you know god gives you two ears and one mouth for a reason so you can listen twice as much as you speak i again totally agree with that and i know i in more recent times have really made like a conscious effort even just with watching tv i feel like a lot of times and i feel like i can multitask with the best of them but you find yourself like, okay, I got TV on the background, and now I'm also going to do this on the phone. And it's like you're not really actively listening to and tuning in to what you're watching. And to your point on just people, I mean, I have really, I know this past weekend, I don't even remember myself really actively being on my phone much. I was with my wife, hanging out, and I was tuned into the present. And I know that's something I've tried to work on more myself. And I think we all need to kind of step back a little. I don't, I don't mean to be uh, self-righteous and the phone police or anything like that, but I think we all could like use a little more disconnect, just a little. I'm not one of those people that will go offline completely for a weekend. Like, I don't know if I can do that, but just to kind of, you know, be mindful and disconnect a little bit and be in the moment. I think we all need to do that more. Yep. So, and a big yep is all he has for that. Because I agree, you know, uh, because... You know, I, I'm just, I just finished reading a book called Atomic Habits, and they talk about, you know, how you dictate your day. You know, if, you're, if your day is not being run on a schedule, then your days are going to be everywhere. And how you should, like, I have time, I have daddy time in my schedule to where I want to spend time with my 10-year-old daughter. So you're, you dictate your schedule. Nobody else dictates your schedule. And if you're not running, if you're not having a schedule, then you're probably not getting the things you want to get done. Because they say, if you want something done, give it to somebody that's busy. I, I totally agree. Couldn't agree more. And I agree so much. I am going to segue into the next part of our conversation. And so we know that you served for a lot of years. And then there came a point where you kind of like distanced yourself and you started a career at General Nutrition Centers of all places. How did that come about? What motivated you to go there? Well, this is the, I told you the first part of my story. So I got thrown out of the military in 1988 for being a drug addict and alcoholic. Um, I got locked up or was about to get locked up. And, um, the guy that I did rob, which happened to be a police officer, which 
that was stupid. Um, he gave me a chance. He said, you know, you can either go to jail for five years for grand larceny or give me my money back and go to AA for 30 meetings in a row. Um, I hit like something like 300 meetings in a row and I've been sober since 1988. But as I'm about to get locked up, the same uncle that was in the Korean War said, he looked at me in my eyes and even though he helped bail me out. So thank you, Uncle Bob. Um, but he said, you know what? I knew you never had what it took to be a military man. And it ate at me. It crushed me. It ate at me for like almost a year. So I, it ate at me so much that I'm probably the only guy you're going to talk to that actually got thrown out of the military and got back in. So I joined the National Guard. I got back in and um, I joined and they let me back in. I had a lot of paperwork to do and all that stuff. But um, I still had my attitude. I just wasn't drinking anymore. Um, so they were going to throw me out for a second time for being uh, just being an asshole. Um, but um, on the morning of September 11th, everything changed for me because uh, where I'm sitting right now, I can go sit on my porch and see where the Twin Towers once stood. And we knew people that were in the buildings that day. And uh, as you know, as um, this is all unfurling, you know, if anybody was around at that time, uh, when they were shown the news reports, there was no editing. You know, there was you could see people bouncing off the ground, um, people jumping out of the buildings and they were pulling people from the Pentagon and the towers. And here I am taking, you know, took advantage of my life and realized, you know, I've been living for myself, you know, for the last, was it 20, whatever, 27 years. And here, you know, people just went to work and they're not coming home. And that's when I literally crumbled into my couch, uh, cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, give me one more chance uh, to stay in. And I begged my company commander and, uh, and first sergeant to keep me. And thank God that they did. But uh, within two years or three years, I became soldier of the year. Uh, I became a non-commissioned officer. So it actually changed my whole life. But now at this, after this time, um, any time that I, any only jobs I ever held was either at a gym, was either at a general nutrition center or a vitamin shop. I've always been interested in nutrition because like I said, my mother was a nurse. And when my mom and dad would argue, I would go into the bathtub, you know, let the water all the way, you know, let it rise up. And I would lay there, look, reading medical books. Um, you know, I had to water blow my ears so I couldn't hear them screaming. But I would just absorb medical books. So I always loved medical. I wish I could have been a doctor. So then I got, I seen a magazine cover with Arnold. And that was it. I, I fell in love with it. That and professional wrestling. So that's how I started with the, um, working in gyms and working with GNC and eventually with guys from the WWE, NFL, Major League Baseball, um, former heavyweight champion of the world, Lennox Lewis. Love you, Lennox. Um, so that's how the whole working with uh, GNCs and uh, working in the health and fitness industry kicked off. Sorry, that was a long answer to a short question, but. No, that's okay. So 
first of all, the situation with 9-11 is amazing how, like, personal every single story is about 9-11, whether you were serving or whether you were in New York or whatever the case was. I know for me that when I saw, as somebody who had dropped out of college at the time and was getting a lot of things fed into their mind about how they should, uh, you know, spend their life and what they should do with their life, for not, when 9-11 happened and I thought about, boy, all these people, you know, they had these dreams and they were living their dream and, you know, just how it was taken away in like a blink of an eye, it really made me think about, wow, how short life is. And here I am, I'm letting all this stuff kind of get into my head and I'm not like just doing what I want to do and pursuing what I want to pursue. So that was for me a turning point in my own life. And that was because of much like you, all the things that you saw and you know, we all saw during that time and how it really just changed your life. And yeah, just you know, and, and like you know, I tell a lot of people like we had our own mental health summit uh two years ago. It's called Today I Decide. Um, if they can actually, if anybody's listening, they can actually find the, the, uh, the summit and it's a free summit, but you know, the person that woke up that morning was a totally different person that went to bed that night. And, you know, that's why I say the three most important words in the English language are today I decide. And that's why I have the question mark. Um, because whatever it is, you can decide. I do not want to be that same person that woke up this morning that's going to bed. You don't have to be that same person. You can always change. So, you know, that's why I say, you know, I love that today I decide because, you know, once we make a decision, you know, all we have to do is act upon it. The hardest part is making the decisions. And I totally agree with that because we can spend hours, days, years, thinking about which way to go, but ultimately the hardest thing to do is to actually decide, take action and commit and go do it. And that is the hardest part for every one of us, not just those of us who commit to the, to the decision, but for those of us who are dwelling on it and can't make up our mind, it's hard for everybody. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people say, you know, because like I, I have my own coaching program, which I just started, which I'm only taking 10 people to do, be privately coached. But I tell them I can change your life guaranteed in 90 days. But you have to make that decision. I cannot decide for you. Like I think somebody once said, you know, how many electricians does it take to light to change a light bulb? And I say none of them because nobody decided to change the light bulb and get up and do it, you know? So you have to make a decision. And, you know, cause like, and I tell everybody, you know, a lot of people say, well, I can't change. 
And I say, yes, you can. Imagine your doctor calls you, says, hey, you got cancer. You got three months to live. Your mindset's going to change, right? Probably. So if you think of something like that, you can literally in any moment make a change. Your mind can make a change. You just have to find the right pain to, to make that change. Yeah, sometimes it's not enough to just be sitting around and saying, you know, I'm going to make change. Sometimes we need something that is a little bit life-altering. It can be big, it can be little, but something has to happen inside of us to just be like, okay, I don't like how this feels. Now is the time to take action. I, I guess some of us can make change without that, but I know for me, I need for something to happen for me to be like, okay, I need to change. Even if it's just me getting on the elliptical, which I'm going to do after we're done here. I've started getting on the elliptical more in 2022. I started before now just not really like liking how I feel and didn't like how bogged down I was feeling, even though I've been at home, should be feeling really refreshed, you would think, but I wasn't. And I think it just took for a particular day for me to just say, you know what, I don't want to feel that way anymore. And I started taking that action. So that's just me. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, people that follow me know um, two years ago on my birthday, I lost 80% of my vision. And I sat around feeling sorry for myself and got fat, dumb, and happy. And it's just not, and I told my, my, my friend yesterday, it's only been the last three days that I've been feeling like my old self. And a lot of it's because, you know, now the weather's starting to break. So I'm actually getting out and doing my cardio, starting to take my supplements again. But I think it wasn't, it took my dad passing to know that, you know, we're here for a short time. So why make it shorter if I'm not going to take care of myself? I want to live longer. So, you know, I have, I want, I got so much shit I want to do. So I, that's what it took his passing to make you say, all right, pal, you know, it's time, it's time for you to start, you know, you got a 10 year old daughter. It's time for you. If you want to walk down the, the uh, her, walk her down the aisle, you got to change the way that you're doing things. It's amazing what a death of a loved one or health issues with a loved one can do to motivate you. I will speak for myself that I didn't talk to my dad for the last 10 years of his life. And even finding out that he had passed away, even though I hadn't talked to him in years, that affected me not only from, you know, obviously he was my dad, he passed away, but also just from like a health standpoint, because I, you know, want to make it clear, I didn't leave my dad like in the dust. My siblings were there taking care of him. It's a real long story. Probably shouldn't even bring it up here. But, <laughs> but um, I had obviously for my own mental health, I kind of distanced myself 
from my family and it's a decision that I I truly will never regret. It was probably yeah. one of the best things I did for myself. But yeah. even just getting back to the point, with all that being said and finding out about him, like and just knowing some of the you know, he smoked for like fifty years and you know, just I, I know he had like a very sedentary lifestyle. So putting all that together, I'm just like, I don't want to do that. Even if I don't have a heart attack until I'm like 70 instead of 60 or whatever the case is, I I just want to do better than yeah. than what he did. And that's not a put down on my dad. We all have our vices and we all have our things that, you know, as Tom Hanks said once, something's going to kill you, you know, because I guess he said that when he got diabetes. And I mean, we all want to take care of ourselves and give ourselves the best shot at a long life, but something's going to get us eventually. But yep, you got to make sure that I tell everybody, you got to make sure you're, you're right with the man upstairs. Yeah, exactly. And I think we have to do all that we can to at least do the best we can to give ourselves an advantage and edge. And I think for me, that's what uh, wellness is all about in my mind, at least. So putting all that aside, I do want to, before we run out of time, uh, I want to get into the crossroads, the fork in the road. You were doing all this awesome stuff with GNC. You really transformed your life uh, with the ups and downs of serving our country. What was the crossroads? What uh, convinced you to become an entrepreneur and start podcasting and doing all the awesome things you're doing today? Well, here's my, the last part of my story. Like, I got three parts to my story that um, I moved to New Jersey because I got I got in touch with my childhood sweetheart, um, and we we got together again after 30 years, and now we're married and got three beautiful children. But I joined the National Guard, New Jersey National Guard, and on my first uh, annual training, I got hurt on duty. I got my head ran over by a Humvee and it ran over my whole right side of my body and my head. So I became blind and um, in one eye and the military, obviously you can't see, you can't shoot. We don't need you. So, you know, here I am, you know, cause when I got back in the military, um, I did everything I could to be the ultimate soldier. I went to every class. I went to every school. Uh, I got there two hours early, stayed two hours late, took every anything you wanted me to do. I got you. You need something done. I got you. And then when they called me in on Memorial Day 2012 and said, Sergeant Kaufman, uh, we need your ID because you're no longer a member of the United States military. It crushed me. It, I knew it was coming, but it crushed me. And it, I got scared because, all right my whole identity is Sergeant Kaufman. You know, if, if I got pulled over by, by the cops, 
I never pulled out my driver's license. It was always my military ID. You know, whatever it was, was military, military, you know. Uh, and then I, I got out in my truck and I said, wait a minute, who's Richard? Who am I? And it scared me to death. And that was the day that um, I, I, I attempted suicide that day. And uh, thank God it didn't, it didn't go through. God had other plans. But now this whole time that there was like a year and a half delay between, you know, me getting hurt and them throwing me out or medically retiring me. Um, I start, you know, a lot of people would sit around and play chess, play checkers. I did that for a while, but I kind of got bored. So I started reading. I read a book called uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki and Sharon Lecter. I just had her on the show this uh, last couple of weeks. She's a truly amazing person. But, um, and then I just, after I read that book and then I see, all right, they recommended this book and that book. So I got into the whole self-development and I kept hearing Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm like, who the hell is Gary Vaynerchuk? So I started listening to a bunch of his episodes and I found out that his father's liquor store is like, 20 minutes from my house you know my, my wife says you know uh, sometimes my balls are bigger than my brains so i so i called up his father and i was like hey uh this is so and so from gnc you know I, I made it sound all corporate i'm like when's gary gonna be there she's like uh, i think saturday i'm like all right i'll be down there so i actually got down i uh, got to meet gary and we talked for about 20 25 minutes Actually, one of my my wounded warrior hat is actually um, in his office, and you'll see it sometimes when he does his videos there. But you know that's when the whole thing. He came up with the comeback coach. He came up with you know starting the podcast and writing the book. So everything I am goes back to, uh, and I got to give give the credit to Mr. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk for actually really putting the you know dropping the nuggets in my brain to start doing this stuff. Well, you said, you know, you said a lot of really, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I want to say amazing things, but definitely uh, impactful things during that uh, particular segment. One thing that you said that resonated with me was when you kind of like had that moment where you were like, what is Richard going to do? Who is Richard? And I kind of had the same moment when I left my job of 10 years. I had an awesome job. I was in one of the biggest broadcast companies probably in the world. And I was kind of not like I'm going to be real. I was in management, but definitely not high-level management. Definitely middle management, but I was getting somewhere, I was progressing, and I loved what I was doing, I loved mentoring my staff, and I loved all the projects and all the stuff I was doing, and because they were restructuring, and they're still restructuring, frankly, um, I decided to take their buyout package offer, and when I did that and really got down to the next phase of my life, I was like, who am I? I, I asked myself the same questions. It was like, 
a real transformational time. And it all led me to where I'm at now, doing this podcast, sitting here with you. And yeah, I, I think a lot of us have these moments, these real profound moments where it's like, it gets very real and it's like, okay, it's not about climbing the ladder in the military anymore. It's not about climbing the corporate ladder. This is about your own ladder, your own life. And that's a very real moment. And I can really relate to where you were at at that point. I didn't really get quite as, uh, you know, deep as you did as far as like, you know, everything that kind of led you to uh, being suicidal, but it's tough to make those life transitions. It was, and, you know, and for anybody that's out there, um, if you're ever struggling with any suicidal ideations, you can call me. I'm going to pick up my phone anytime, any, anywhere. 201-803-5120 is my phone number. You can text me or message me, whatever. I got you. Um, you're never alone. But it was that Memorial Day. So that Monday, um, whatever, the VA was closed. I mean, not closed, but I couldn't get an appointment. But um, that, the next Tuesday, um, I was first time seeing a therapist. And I still, you know, what is it, 10, 11 years later, I'm still seeing the same therapist. Because um, sometimes, you know, coaches need coaches, you know. And, and so I figured, you know, wait a minute, you know, if some of the greatest minds in this world now have coaches, who am I not to have a coach? So my therapist, I call her my coach. You know, it is what it is. But that's when I think I really started to change my life and, you um, and that's when I started to really start becoming more self-aware, you know, because like even, you know, Grant Cardone in his book, 10X, talks about, you know, uh, you know, self-awareness is an mf you know, because uh, once you become self-aware, and that's when you realize that everything is your, from this moment on, everything is your fault. Maybe not what happens to you, but how you react. So that's when I think, when the change comes is when you realize, oh, all right, from this moment on, I'm in charge of whatever happens in my life. And I mean, if somebody, something happens, the way I react to that issue is going to change, you know, is going to impact my life. Cause like that book, Atomic Habits talks about, if you want to see where you are today, look five years ago. So if you want to see where you're going in five years, look at what you're doing today. Yeah, I, boy, just saying that just now, I had a flash of five years ago, and it's just amazing what a difference five years can make in life. And, and, it's all, and it all has to do with your habits. And unfortunately, or fortunately, you know, um, they t- and James Clear talks about it in his book, that, you know, what we do, 40% of what we do is habits. So even if we can just change 1% a day within a whole year, our whole life is different. So, you know, I think changing habits 
and stacking good habits are the best things that a person can actually do. I totally agree. And again, I so right here, as much like when I was on your show, I was drinking a Coke just like this. It's only a seven ounce Coke. And uh, yes, cheers to you. So there's a time when I would have drank like a 20 ounce Coke every day or multiple 12 ounce Cokes. And I took the step. I don't buy like the bigger uh, amounts of Coke. Like I think I at one point could even polish off a two liter bottle, which is insane. But I committed myself to just buying these little cans and just kind of trying to reduce the amount that I drink. Because if I have a habit in my life, it's definitely that. That is definitely my vice. So, and you know, little things in the end become big things. Like I, 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 I love. I get this magazine called Ink Magazine. Comes in every every month. And they asked one person asked Mr. Buffett, how'd you become so rich? He says, and the guy was drinking a can of Coke. He says, I make one cent off every can of Coke. He says, and, and there's 20 million cans of Coke drunk, drank every day. He, says, I have but no I'm, he said, but I'm only making one cent. But you figure, you know, so even little things like if, if you're, I'm a big plane guy. I love watching that show Air Disasters. And they talk about even if a plane is just off course, just one degree, it, you're never going to make it. If you're going to go to Miami, you're going to end up somewhere else. So, it, so, and, but in a positive way, if you want to change your life, just change it that one degree. Yeah. Sometimes the smallest steps can lead to bigger and bigger things. And, and just by you saying that, I'm thinking about some of my exercising and some of these other things that I've tried to do. I'm a big believer in small steps, just as long as you kind of keep yourself to, uh, I guess, building on it and evolving. So that part is also obviously very important. So. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people you can change. It's so easy to change. And a lot of people don't understand it. I told, I can get you positive within 30 days. And a lot of people say, well, how can you do that? I said, just go on your Facebook page. And for the next 30 days, heart everything that's positive and don't answer anything that's negative. And your mind is like the Facebook algorithm. Once it's called the reticulator activating system. Once you put positive and start looking for the positives in life is when your mind's going to actually start looking for the positive things. So if you can do stuff like that, you know, stop watching the news because it's all bullshit. You know, stop getting, you know, talking to negative people. Sometimes you got to cut them out of your life, you know, because, you know, sometimes they call subtract, sub, addition by subtraction. If you're hanging out with negative people, you know, you're not going to get anywhere. Like I was told, if you're hanging out with five millionaires, you're going to be the sixth. So sometimes you have to change what you listen to, what you watch and who you talk to. Something tells me I need to meet more millionaires if that's the logic. So, I mean, because it's true. Because, I mean, think about it, you know, because like I'm a big music guy. Whenever a person goes to the gym, they want to get music that 
pumps them up and hypes them up. So same thing, you know, your mind doesn't know whether you're like, say I listen to podcasts. I'm a big podcast and audible guy. Um, your mind does not know the difference, whether Gary Vaynerchuk is sitting right next to you or in another state. So, and eventually, you know, the vibes that he's given out, you're going to start picking up his language or their language. You know, you're going to start picking up their thoughts. You're going to start, you know, li- watching what they watch, listening to what they listen to, and you're going to change. So that's one way, you know, a lot of people say, well, I can't find a mentor or well, anybody can get audible for 15 bucks a month or anybody can just go on YouTube and watch these mentors and learn from them and start becoming like them. Well, speaking of mentoring and being like somebody, and I don't know if this is the best segue, I'm giving it my best shot. This is kind of my way of saying, let's uh, give you the floor to talk about how people can find you, reach out to you, work with you. It's all yours. For me, I have a book out. Um, It's hit number one twice on Amazon for in substance abuse. It's called A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. It's my story. Um, It's only 11 bucks, but um, 22% of that goes to help veterans struggling with homelessness and PTSD. Um, And if you do pick up the book, you will get a free coaching call with me and it's free, free 30 minute call. So just that alone would make up for that 11 bucks. But um, it's about my story, but at each chapter is a teaching point of what I learned from that going through that. And the last two chapters are what does addiction look like? Not what you think it looks like. And not when, what does depression look like? and not what you think it looks like. So it's also a teaching book. So you could pick that up. Um, I just came out with my brand new coffee called Vertical Momentum Coffee, which I'm drinking all the time. It's a very high energy coffee. It's it's twice the amount of caffeine as any other coffee out there. Um, and 22% of that, again, goes to help uh, veterans that are struggling with homelessness and PTSD. Anything I do, I'm always giving back. So you can find me. And this is something that Gary Vaynerchuk taught me. He says, I said, Gary, I'm not leaving here without you giving me something actionable that I can take. He says, I want you anytime you do anything, I want you to make yourself a hashtag. And I was like, okay, and why? He says, because it's free advertising. So if anybody wants to find what I'm doing, go to, they can hashtag the comeback coach or hashtag today I decide. And it comes on up all my social media, everything that I'm doing. Now I am offering a, a coaching program. It's a 90 day program. Um, I've so far, I've had a hundred people ask to join and I'm only going to let 10, I'm only going to work with 10 people because I'm actually going to be involved in your life. I'm actually going to help you get through everything you're going through. And some people I'm actually going through their houses, getting rid, getting rid of some of their junk food, taking them shopping to get healthy stuff. So it's going to be really, uh, really uh, interesting and, and life changing. And I'm only letting, I'm only going to be helping 10 people for 2022. Awesome. Well, one quick little note out of all that, the hashtagging yourself and your brand, such a good idea. I know 
I also heard that same advice, and that might have actually come from him, Gary, and just circled around to me somehow. But that's something that I do. I always hashtag mark my words with everything I post related to it. And yep, even and I think not related. <laughs> and, you know, and like you said, and I do have a podcast. It's called Vertical Momentum Resiliency Podcast. Or if you just type in vertical momentum, it'll come up. And like I said, Mark's episode is our number one downloaded episode so far in the last year. And we've had over 450 guests. Wow. That, again, I, I'm not really sure I have the words for that. That's pretty amazing. And I think that is a great note to end this episode on. Richard Kaufman of Vertical Momentum Media, CEO, also Vertical Momentum Podcast that he just mentioned that I was on recently. Thank you very much for your time. It's amazing how little, or I should say how much you got out of me by saying so little. I said a few things in this episode that I don't think I've ever talked about. So, well, well, they do call me the Joe Rogan of GI Joes and the <laughs> Oprah and the GI Joe uh, uh, GI Oprah. But Mark, I want to know that you know you say you don't have many friends. Well, count me as one of them. Well, I appreciate that, and you can certainly count me as your friend. And you have quite an amazing story, and I am really inspired by all the things you've overcome to create such a fantastic life that you have now. And I think sky is the limit as you continue to build your brand and build yourself up. And I can't thank you enough for having me on your show. Thank you for being on this show. And I look forward to seeing what else you do down the road. And all of that being said, quickly, if you want to find me on social media, I'm on LinkedIn. You can just find me at Mark Schmidt. Join the conversation. I haven't posted too much lately, but I do like to post about career transition, careers, entrepreneurship. Come find me on Instagram. I'm at MarkMyWord6. You can also find me on pretty much any social media platform and Nimrod 79, Nimrod 1979, giving away my age. And if you know Green Day, that's one of my favorite bands. So I have trouble letting go of that Nimrod handle. So with all that being said, thanks again to Richard Kaufman for being on Mark My Words. And that is our episode for today. I will see you soon. Bye. Thanks again for taking time out of your busy day to listen to Mark My Words. If you would like to connect with me beyond the show, you can find me on LinkedIn at Mark Schmidt where I will be talking about entrepreneurship, careers, and anything else that is on my mind. You can also connect with me on Twitter and Instagram 
and Nimrod 1979 and Nimrod79 respectively. This podcast also has a page on Instagram at Mark My Words. And finally, if you want to leave me a voicemail or check out what I'm up to with the podcast, come find me at podpage.com slash mark dash my dash words. Thanks again for listening, and I'll be back with a new episode soon. Bye for now.